in an effort to support the talented and creative individuals in our community. We give you the Carpe GM interview series. Discussions about gaming and geek pop culture with those who help to create it. Joining us today. Game designer, Frank Dicola. Prepare to be inspired. Hello there. My name is Dan Worrell. Thank you very much for joining me for yet another episode of the Carpe Diem interview series, where we talk gaming and geek pop culture with those talented individuals who helped to create it. Gen Con 2016 is over. Sadly enough. Made it home, got settled back into routines, and uh, this is only the first of a mountain of content that I've got for you guys. I had the distinct pleasure to sit down and have a conversation with game designer Frank DeCola, who has created one of my favorite games that I've encountered at Gen Con, Mr. Game. We had a fantastic little conversation about the game and the trials and tribulations of being a self-publisher, along with a couple of other things. So without further ado, here's my interview with Frank DeCola. Thank you for joining us. This is Dan with the Carpe GM Gamecast. I am sitting here uh, at my computer looking at the creator of one of my favorite games, Mr. Game. Frank DeCola, introduce yourself. Hey there. How you doing? It's good to be on. I'm Frank DeCola. I'm the uh, creator of Mr. Game, independent game designer. Thank you for coming on the show, sir. This is a long time coming. Yeah. <laughs> We've been planning to do this for a while. We yeah. have been. Um, so, Gen Con. I'm walking through the dealer room, and I walk by a little demo of something that looks like this really cool retro roll-and-move kind of game, and I'm like, well, okay, tell me tell me about it. And you then tell me the story of Mr. Game, and I can tell you that that was one of the happiest points that I had at Gen Con. It was fantastic. Go ahead and uh, tell us about your game, sir. That's good. That's good. Well, I mean, the, the gist, the general thing I usually tell people is that it's kind of a modern take on the um, classic family roll-and-move. I know a lot of people cringe when they hear roll-and-move, but just, just wait for it. Um, essentially, it's a get-to-the-goal kind of game. You know, Land on the goal and you win, but the trick is that the goal can change over the course of the game. Um, it's not actually a point on the board. It's just one of many spaces, and that can change. But the big hook of Mr. Game is that it has a very simple rule book. Um, not a lot of rules in there, and you are encouraged... Um, not really required, but definitely encouraged to make up your own house rules as you go. The reason why the game is called Mr. Game is because someone at the table is going to sort of be like a game master, dungeon master type character called Mr. Game. And if anything happens during the course of the game that isn't covered by the rules or the cards, they decide what happens. They make up a rule right there, and that's a rule for the rest of the game. Awesome. <laughs> Love it so much. So Mr. Game is um, the sole arbiter of any rules issues that you may have, you know, can I do this? Can I do that? There's one guy to ask. It's Mr. Game. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, I mean, I encourage people to always talk about the rules. You definitely should. Don't, you know, don't just let Mr. Game trample all over the place, but they have the final decision. In fact, that's part of like the real fun of the game is, Oh, something crazy happens. And everyone's like, Oh, what if this, what about, what about this? And then Mr. Game kind of picks the best idea if they don't have ideas. The game itself is very solidly built. It's a um, good, solid stock. The board is solid. I've taken it on a plane to Florida. Everything held up. Um, it, the, the, the box itself is very adequate. It holds all the pieces. Nothing gets moved around too much after you you know take it all apart and put it back <laughs> together. The, That's good. The, the game pieces themselves are thick. They're heavy duty. You know, you can, it'll survive a night on the college campus or a, a, a round trip from the baby's mouth, I'm sure. <laughs> and the replayability of this game is fantastic because you build in the idea of house rules and uh, the rotating sole arbiter of any rules that are unspoken. It's uh, very quickly become one of our favorite family games at my house. 
That's good. I'm I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, I mean, replayability was definitely like a big, um, a, a core feature I wanted to to build in there. I mean, it's, it's something people usually say. You usually hear that as part of the pitch, like you're backing a game on Kickstarter. And people will say, oh, tons of replayability. Like, people always say it. But to really achieve that goal, you have to put a lot of design work in. And um, what I usually tell people is, Play the game and then play it with, you know, different group of people. Absolutely. Even if you just change one person out, um, change who Mr. Game is, you get a totally different experience. I love to play with people I've already played with before and then one new person who's never played and make them Mr. Game. Absolutely. It's hilarious. I was going to say the exact same thing is yep. that if you have a new person in your group, make them be Mr. Game. Make them make the decisions based on uh, a game that they've never played and not without having the shorthand of having played the game before you're sure to find some crazy wild decisions being made on behalf of Mr. Game. Exactly. Ones that I usually see are um people people insist on having doubles do something. I mean they already kind of do. It's a negative. You have to lose a power up. You basically right. discard a card. But people who've never played before insist, "Oh, it's got to be good. Doubles, you know, it was good in Monopoly, it's going to be good here." Right. They'll make up doubles rules. I also see um, you know, people who've never played before will say something particular like, "Oh, you can't be on the same space as someone else." Right. <laughs> people who've played before, veterans are sitting there with, you know, biting their tongue like, "Oh, this is going to be a train wreck." Um, so, but that's that's part of the fun really is like kind of getting yourself into trouble and trying to claw your way out through these rules. All right, so the game itself, board with spaces, very simple. You have to get from get to a goal, which there are four numbered spaces on the board, one, two, three, and four. One of those will be the goal at any given time, m- maybe, depending on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> depending on Mr. Game and what's happening. Uh, the object is to get to the goal and end your turn on the goal, or I guess ending your turn on the goal isn't actually a rule either. Um, good. That's a good so, point. Yeah, so. all the rule book technically says. I think it says objective on page two, and it says win the game by landing on a goal space. So that's. I mean, here you go. You're kind of getting into the interpretation of it. Mister Game could say, "Oh, it's got to be the end of your turn," but maybe that happens during your turn. I mean, you landed on it, right? You right. landed on. It. You walked through it. You, you notice. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't say anything about you can't have two or three people on there. Right. That sort of thing, too. Sometimes I'll do a sudden death if there's multiple people on the goal. I'll be like, well, yeah, it's got to be one just because I'm not one of the people, so I don't want it to end yet. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just a corrupt rule that I make up. Absolutely. So, um, Mr. Game lends itself really well to house rules. Yes. Which I'm an old second edition D&D guy, so I love the house rules. It was kind of the only way to make that system work. So we had tons <laughs> and never, tons. I never played uh, that, that D&D. Oh, uh, you missed out. You missed out. Everybody was a fledgling game designer. Everybody over you know 30 has their own set of house rules and and, I don't know, alternate game types and ways to make the broken rules in those books work. <laughs> um, oh, that's interesting. So it was, it, it was, it was not a good set of rules, and that's what made it fun to make house rules for. It was a, it was a fine set of rules until you played with it long enough to realize that okay, this doesn't make any sense. Like you can absolutely see where, um, where the designers were saying, okay, this is how light rules work. This is how scuffling works. You know, so on and so forth. In given circumstances but there's no with the widespread the variability of role-playing games are as variable as conversations with with your friends that's right therefore you it's impossible as a game designer to come up with a set of rules that is going to encompass all of those although some companies have come pretty close like steve jackson of gurps it's got a pretty rock solid set of rules as long as everybody's playing playing the same game right um but what happened? What would happen would be you would house rule something, and then either the house rule would stick because it worked well in multiple situations, or players would begin taking advantage of that house rule, and you'd have to throw it out or come up with a different one, and it became a whole sub game of house <laughs> rules. Well, that's awesome. I mean, that kind of sounds like my de- design philosophy, especially because you said that you couldn't possibly make a set of rules to encompass everything. Right. And, and I feel like now that I've played Mr. Game enough. I might be able to do that, but it would probably be way too big. It'd be like a twenty-page rule book. It would suck all the fun out. You would Absolutely. only have you'd only have this kind of you know flux the board game type game, um, and you wouldn't have this conversation happening anymore. You wouldn't have this creative game design happening while you're playing. So yeah, you'd you'd miss a lot out. You'd, you'd... That's one of the things that drew me to this game was the fact that it is such a social event. Those people who listen to my show know that I 
am really pushing social event gaming, which, you know, to sit down and play a game where you're completely immersed in the mechanics and it takes all of your conversation, all of your concentration to, to really play the game well or to possibly win. That's fun. That's great. You know, I like a nice big crunchy rule book and, and completely immersing myself in the game that I'm playing as much as the next guy. But sometimes you want to just sit down and have fun. Family game night at my house has become kind of, um, I don't know. It's a time for us to catch up. Most of my, most of my kids have moved out. So it's a time for us to catch up, talk about stuff, so on and so forth. So it's really not very often that we sit down and really play a big, fat, crunchy game anymore. You know, we're, we're trying to go for lighter fare that we can actually still have a conversation and, and, and really enjoy each other's company and catch up on our lives at the same time. Mr. Game's perfect for that. You mentioned I'm glad the rule to hear book. that. Glad to hear that. You mentioned your rule book. Uh, one, two, what is that? Four pages? Yeah, because the covers don't really count. I mean, no. it's just like a little, you know. Mr. Game. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six pages, including the credits and such. And right. one of those pages is just a spread of what the three types of cards you have are. Yeah, there's sort of like a reference. So it's really meant to be very sparse. Like I said, if I if I went crazy with the detail, it would take the fun out of it for you. Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, so And the uh, the other thing, most uh, most game designers spend so much time coming up with the concept of rules and playtesting them and ironing them out and spending so much effort trying to make sure that the game works by the letter. Your game is very simple, so everything works by the letter. You actually included another book that is the same size as right. your rule book with suggestions for alternate ways to play, questions for Mr. Game to try to answer if, you know, just to catch you kind of in the mood for being Mr. Game, house rules, that type of thing. The social event of creating those house rules and and tailoring the experience to what you are playing is built into this game which you rarely see with particularly something as simple as a roll and move game. They're usually the rules are very simple, very easy to follow. And that's just what you're doing. Your game encompasses the feel of the roll and move game with the, the thrill and conversation of a social experiment. Exactly. I like it a lot. Yeah. So, (laughs) So just some some concepts. We kind of explained the concept of Mr. Game and how to how to play. Basic roll and move, achieve a goal. Period. Uh there are some different types of cards in the game, which by the way, the cards are good quality. I've had the game for quite some time. It's been through many many playings and everything is still still solid. I'm everything glad is, to hear that. Yeah. Although yeah, I can't really take credit for the production quality. That's uh, Ad Magic. Ad Magic does a great job. Uh, they're the manufacturer that, that created the game. So, I mean, good on them. Well, they I, did a good job. I would definitely work with them again. They're great. Um, number one, the cards are very distinctively different. So you have tackled the problem of colorblindness yes. in gaming, uh, which, you know, I don't really feel like enough designers really consider that whenever they're designing their game or the, the layout. Yeah, that was actually a, a big lesson I learned. Um, just learning software development, actually, because uh, you know that was, that's what my degree is in um, accessibility. There was like a whole class on usability and accessibility was like a whole week section. Um, now they're talking about software, of course, but it's the same kind of thing. Like, can uh, can people over sixty five play it? You know, because um, their their eyes aren't as sharp. Can colorblind people play it? You know, you don't have to worry about deaf people, of course, obviously, because. You know, it's not really a function of graphic design, right. but yeah. Um, and in fact, it, it, the, my one regret with Mister Game is uh, that the pieces, the actual pieces you play with, just all look the same. Right. And so, if you're colorblind, unfortunately, you're going to get through most of the game except knowing who you are, which is kind of too bad. Maybe grab a Monopoly piece or something, and put it in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, mini, I mean, whatever minifig you have. Some of the some of the situations. Um, that can be created by colorblindness can be taken care of with just an old Monopoly set. Somebody's the shoe, somebody's the boot. Unfortunately, 
to have distinctly different game pieces is actually quite expensive in production. I know. Yeah, that's what I learned. And and I was planning all this out, and I was like, okay, well, how much for the Kickstarter? You know, I had a certain amount to get a thousand games. And then the quote from Ad Magic, and this isn't their fault. This is just how it is. It was like, oh yeah, so every you want eight different pieces, and injection molds maybe ten thousand dollars. That's eighty thousand dollars. I was like, what? Right. Whoa, we just went to like a crazy level where you know, I, it, it's just ridiculous. You'd have to. I mean, that's a stretch goal thing. That's like a stretch goal for like Dark Souls the board game or right. something right? right or they can do it because they're at a, such a high volume but for me it's just it's not going to happen um until this blows up <laughs> right okay so the game con the uh the game components you've got your your tiles which um have different effects or no effect whatsoever uh which look just like the t- the squares on the board and they are randomly not randomly they are placed on the board by the players of the game or taken off the board, or moved, or there's an entire tile economy inside the game. The, then you have three different types of cards. Um, you have actions, which are blue cards that get played immediately. You have badges, which are kind of your take-that mechanic, where you get to do a thing at any point in anybody's turn. Badges are also the only card that you're allowed to sort of ho- privately hold. Yeah. Um, everything else is sort of like immediate play. Yep. And then you have power-ups, which are played out in front of you. Everybody gets to see them, and they're very... Uh, what's the word? I don't think they're named very well, because sometimes power-ups <laughs> suck. I know, yeah. I mean, it, uh, there's a lot of power-downs. I debated whether or not, like... Because the, the icon, we were talking about colorblindness, the icon yeah. for power-ups is they're all green, power-ups are always green, and there's like an arrow going up, like, ooh, power-up. Um, I debated having some of them go like down, like, oh, this is a power-down, but I, I don't know. <laughs> not <laughs> Do necessary, it's funny. Do you have any suggestions for, for a different name? No, uh, no, 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 I'm not saying you did anything wrong, I'm just saying that the, whenever, you're, whenever you're pulling a power-up out of the, the deck... You, you're sometimes let down because it's not actually a power up at all. This is yeah. a, this is a hindrance, but that's adds to part of the fun of the game. Yeah, yeah I think out of the third, I think there's thirteen in there. There might be two that are strictly good, two that are strictly bad, and then there's like this kind of weird range of them where it's yeah. like depending on where you are on the board. Like maybe you want this, maybe you don't. Like psychokinesis is one where you can't even move anymore. You're just always mind controlling people, right? And th- I mean that's great if you have no shot at winning, and it's just like all right, let me troll people who are about to win. Um, really, really is not great to get if you are about to win because you're basically stuck. You're in like a mental jail like mind control jail right <laughs> so they're very swingy yeah so the, the the concept of the game very simple obviously i've said that 120 times in this thing it's unbelievably simple you learn to play this game in about three minutes maybe that's if you're reading the rule book and that, i mean that's what i was going for i wanted um i wanted a process where you know how to play right away teach someone how to play right away but then you're still learning as you play because you're still making up rules right that's right. um, so I find that's a very organic way for people to get into the game because and they could just they could just watch two people take a turn and they'll kind of get what's going on and then all the new rules you make up I mean those rules only exist for this game right so right. you can't you can't possibly tell someone those rules ahead of time and everyone learns together by by talking about it and figuring it out. All right, so the one big thing that makes this game way different than any other is Mr. Game himself, now or, herself. Can, or herself, <laughs> or herself, or Doctor Game, or. Uh, or doctor self yeah whatever (laughs) and uh so the the rules being sparse creates this need for someone to be the arbiter uh you can decide who's going to be mr game mrs game whatever uh however you want to decide in your group again we as we discussed i suggest putting the newest person to the game in in that in that boat now because you have that mechanic in place you also have widely variable gameplay which lends itself very well to house rules and variation games some ideas that you gave were mr teams where you play as teams obviously uh simple yeah mr teams is a lot of fun that's that's probably one of my favorite variants because i in order to finish a game of mr teams everyone on your team has to be on a goal um, the other thing I like about it is that the cards take on a new meaning if you can help someone. Right. There's a lot of cards you'll just hold on to because it's like, oh, I'll, I'll really get someone one day. But, you know, if you, have a, if you have a way to help out a team member, you might play a card even sooner. Uh, I, I like teams a lot. You've got uh, Mr. Zombies, which is exactly what it sounds like. Zombies start at the middle of the board. Humans start on the, fir- on the normal tile. 
Uh, so ultimately what that means is humans have to get through the zombies to get to the goal. If a zombie and a human occupy the same space, the human becomes zombie. And they keep playing. And basically either the humans get to the goal to escape or the zombies kill everybody. <laughs> It's absolutely be- beautiful. It's just just fine. And I uh, should note that it's incredibly difficult for humans to win. It yes. is very very hard. Yes, I, almost unprecedented. Also difficult to win is the um, the variant. We've only done this once. <laughs> which four players are team bravery. The remaining players are on the assassin squad. And basically, in order for team bravery to win, they have to be one player on every one of the number spaces at the same time yeah or in order for the assassins to win all members of team bravery must be incapacitated trapped vanished and just basically out of the game for some amount of point some amount of time at the same time extremely difficult game to play (laughs) it's really hard i mean i i I was being honest we actually only did that once but we did it but it took two hours so if you're thinking gee mr game isn't long enough right we have we have six people what do we do (laughs) i really want this to be a three-hour game there you go there you go so just to um just to kind of illustrate kind of the chaos that can happen with mr game i'm going to give you a little anecdote from one of our games my son who had never played the game, was Mr. Game. And the game went on for a little while. It was fine, whatever. But ultimately, the ending of the game was three people wound up being on the same space at the same time. And it was one of the the number spaces. And then my son had to draw a card, which then made him change the goal. And the goal change wound up being either a number on the other side of the board or the number that we were all sitting on. Oh, man. And he decided that instead of crowning a winner of Mr. Game, there was only one player who was not on that space. We just crowned the loser of Mr. Game. <laughs> and that's how the game ended. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I love I love multiple victories. That's yeah. great. So, so everyone so everyone who was on that, was he one of the people? He was one of the people. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, good, good ruling. <laughs> he was one of the people and decided that we all ne- didn't necessarily win, but the other guy lost. And that, that was how we ended the game. That is so great. Uh, do you have any horror <laughs> stories involving Mr. Game or chaotic stories? Horror stories. Wow. Okay, well, so the chaotic ones are fun. The, the horror stories are... Uh, look, I mean, when you read a rule book, there's always reasons for every rule that's in there. And I really, really, you know, I, t- I, I didn't take it lightly when I put a rule into the rule book because I knew, okay, as soon as I do this, I'm kind of removing something. I'm, I'm like saying something, right? As soon right. as you say something, people say, oh, well, there's a rule already. We can't rule on it. Okay. But at a certain point during playtesting, it became necessary to put some limits on Mr. Game's power. Uh. I know this is sort of a polarizing thing because people, people hear, oh, Mr. Game gets to make up rules. But... I had to put some limits on it because during testing, I won't name names, but there were some playtesters who really just abused the power of Mr. Game. And this is early, right? This is this is before there was a whole guide on how to be Mr. Game, before it was really concrete. I mean, back then it was just like, this is basically a game designer sitting at the table just making stuff up. Right. So, um, you know, you had Mr. Games who were really tyrants. They would say something. And then the next round, they would change that rule they just made. I didn't like that. Um, they would make up rules for other people instead of themselves. So basically, you can hear, I'm kind of just reiterating the rules that I put in there. In right. the rule booklet, there's like a small guide on how to be Mr. Game. And it's basically just what not to do. Don't be unfair. Um, you know, uh, you can't, this is a big one. You can't take your rules back. Really, you can't take anything back. So anything in the rule book has already been said. Anything on the cards has already been said. So to contradict those is wrong. When you speak, Sound you make logic. a rule. Right, exactly. And when you speak, you make a rule. To contradict that is wrong. Right. So you can never contradict anything that's been stated. Um, but I had to put those rules in. I mean, it's a while ago. I can't remember the exact details. But the, the, the people that were just tyrants, it really messed up the game. And at that point, it wasn't fun. Because it right. was just, oh, we have no recourse against this man who's just screaming at us. What do we do? Now, Mr. Game has the ability to really get trapped in his own rules, and that's what I like a lot more. Absolutely. That feels more like what the game should be, where it's like, oh, no, I said that a while ago, didn't I? I yep. guess I'm stuck in the place. That's perfect. <laughs> um, um, but I mean, let's see, some chaotic things. I, I think, um, okay, the craziest thing I ever saw, it's only happened once, and that's how you know it's crazy. Right. Um, so there's a badge. 
Mr. Anchor. There's two copies of Mr. Anchor in the game. It's a badge, which means you can hold it privately and play it whenever you want, even when it's not your turn. And Mr. Anchor says, I forget the exact wording, but basically it's stop a player from moving. You play the card, stop them from moving. Right. So um, I think somebody had pulled one person or everybody from a space to a space. Like, you know, the warp card that pulls everyone to a thing. So right. some, uh, or point the is, singularity. Yeah, it was something like that. Someone is flying through the air. And so someone was just being dramatic. They pick their piece up and they go, wee. So their hand is above the board now. And someone goes, stop. They played Mr. Anchor Ouch. on that person. And they were like, you, you're, you're stuck there now. Your, your piece is there. You're stuck. Now, okay, this is a Mr. Game thing, right? Mr. Game could just say, oh, drop down to the board or, oh, you know, um, you don't move or you're supposed to stay where you ended up. But this Mr. Game, for whatever reason, decided you're going to stay in heaven, I guess, like in this cloud. <laughs> I think you called it. We called it Cloud World, and they were just stuck there. And it was sort of like an out-of-bounds thing. I think they had to wait to get back. I don't remember how they actually got back normally. Um, it was just ridiculous. So, yeah, I mean, that's what the game's all about. It's just, like, totally being silly, totally breaking the boundaries of what board games are. Um, I think gamers who've played for a while, you know the type, they kind of bring a lot of assumptions in. Um, Mr. Game shatters that. Exactly. You're supposed to sort of think outside the box and say, wait a minute, does the rule truly say this. In fact, one of the hardest things to write in the rules was just normal board game movement. Like, we all know Candyland Monopoly where it's like, oh, each square is a square and you pass over the boundary. But, like, when you, when you think about, it, like, really writing it down, it's strange. It's foreign. Like, you move, you roll the dice, pick a number. That's how many spaces you move. Okay, what's a space? What's moving? How do I make sure that people can't use this to, like, fly to the goal instantly? Right, absolutely. It's, it's, you know, it's a game about breaking the game. You are cracking, you are breaking down the conventions of just the most basic concepts of a roll and move game, which is what is a space? What does it mean? What, what does it mean if you're off the board? It's entirely possible for you to be stuck in cloud world. <laughs> it, it, that's why this game has so much charm for, for me. I, I wanted to discuss with you some of our house rules. Ooh, goody. Yeah. We should okay. put these on the website. <laughs> uh, I will. Uh, number one, Capture the flag. It's a game oh. type. Okay? Capture the flag. The little goal tiles have a hole in the middle so that you can see the number that they're under, which fits beautifully the base of the, the meeple that, you're, that you're, you're moving. So capture the flag. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> capture the flag starts like a normal game where you're on one and across the board diagonally is your goal, number four. And... The idea is to get to number four and then return to one with the flag. Wow. Okay. So as you're moving, the flag moves with you. And some of the little little tidbits that go along with this game is uh, any teleportation causes you to drop the tile, drop the flag. A teleportation, is that considered a pull, a switch? That's for Mr. Game to decide. Ah, okay. <laughs> so you just you put that in as like a thing to interpret. Yep. Any teleportation causes you to drop the flag, and so then the flag might just be in the middle of the board somewhere where anybody can pick it up. And then ending your turn on the flag bearer's space results in a showdown where basically you two each roll a die, and whoever rolls the highest gets to keep the flag. That's awesome. <laughs> That's And then also... With along with those is if there is a goal change, uh, you still leave the goal change cards in there because the goal can still change around the board. It doesn't necessarily the goal to start out is good back to space one, but it may go to space two or three or four. Oh, that's so interesting. you're just running around with this thing on the board trying to get to the goal with the flag while everyone is just swarming you. I like that. So, so the the flag is always on four, and you made the goal where you have to take the flag. So, if it switches to three, now you have to bring it to three. Yep. Interesting. So you have to get to four, take the flag, and then you're going to the goal, which, as of you know, without any goal change cards, is back to where you started. Right. And then, if you get goal change cards, you go to different goals throughout the board. You know, that's so awesome. That's still a tactic people can use. To, to screw the other guy. See, this, this is what I love. Whenever people ask, like, oh, what's your favorite part about making Mr. Game? Like, I never really knew how to answer it, but this is what I love. Absolutely. When, when people, uh, when there's games that I haven't actually played and people are telling me how they play Mr. Game, I think that's awesome. Like, this, this is the kind of experience you can only have if you've made Mr. Game or some kind of tabletop RPG, right? right? Because there's not... 
there's not too many stories that come out of like uh, I don't know Agricola. I played I like Agricola, right. but it, it, what's the story going to be like? Oh, someone won with the horses. Right. You know, exactly. <laughs> you, you can't really adapt it. Um, but I, I love that Mr. Game has the ability to generate stories, game types, that kind of thing. Um, you really don't see that that often. You created a board game that has spawned. Let me tell you about my D and D character type stories. Uh, right, exactly. I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. All right, I got another one for you. This one involves some other stuff, some other equipment that doesn't necessarily come in the box. That's awesome. <laughs> but it's very simple. Most of the people probably will have this or at least have access to them. It's the opaque-backed card protectors, card sleeves. Oh. Okay. This is so that also included in the game are the color cards that denote what color piece you are you know so if you're the orange piece you now have the orange card so that everyone around the table can see what color piece you are that's right um yeah i put that in for a big because it seats up to eight people so sometimes in a big game you're like oh wait who's playing as red all right i'm gonna you know just so you can always you know because right. people forget if you don't get your favorite color you know that feeling like oh i didn't get red i have to remember that i'm green now like right know. I can understand that. It's been my experience. We don't really use those very much. We usually play anywhere from four to six people. Right. Uh, so what we do is this one is called Mr. Who. And what we do is we take those colored cards, one for all of the people that are playing, and put them in the sleeves so that you can't see the tops of the cards because they're both – the color is on both sides of the cards. Double-sided, yeah. yes. So we hide one of the sides of the cards and then put them in the stack off to the side of the board and shuffle them up. Uh, so Mr. Who works like this. Color cards are put into opaque card sleeves, card sleeves, and then Mr. Game is not chosen at the beginning of the game. Mr. Game is randomly decided by drawing the top card off of that stack after awesome. the question has been asked. <laughs> so you don't even know who you're appealing to. Also, you know, you want to make sure that Mr. Game is being appropriately cutthroat in this game. You want him to be as self-serving as possible because it gets to rotate around the oh, board, whoever awesome. is Mr. Game. That's a great idea. Wait, so ha- so does it happen multiple times? Like any time, like after they make a decision, then you put all the cards back and yep. then do it again? You, oh, that's you, great. After you make a decision, you take, after the Mr. Game has been questioned, you then put the cards back together, shuffle them back up, put them back to the side of the board. Nobody that's, knows who Mr. Game is until the question has been asked. That's an awesome idea. Uh, just a clarification for people that hadn't played before. Even though the rules do say that Mr. Game can uh, make up rules whenever they want, usually what happens is... Uh, Mr. Game will make a rule decision when somebody asks a question. So it'll be like, oh, Mr. Game, I'm halfway between this space and another space. What happens? So that's what, uh, you know, what Dan was referring to there, like, oh, after they've been asked. So in your case, that's like an inciting yep. incident. That's where, what okay. creates the problem. That's what creates the need for Mr. Game is that there is a question awesome. that is needs to be uh, answered. And then you draw it randomly. That's great. Oh, yep. that's great. You've got to put these on the website. That's a, I really want people to try that one. All right. And I'm sure I'm sure they have those. I mean, that's like a magic thing, like those uh, those penny sleeves kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, sure. They're super them. cheap, super easy to come them. by. Uh, so there's there's not a whole lot there to have and to I worry suppose about. If, you, if you really wanted to, you can decide who it is randomly by like another thing, like a, if you have a spinner or something. Yeah, a roll kind of, of a spin die. Spin the bottle. Something yeah. like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's for great. For sure. Everybody's got, uh, you know, Yahtzee dice. You can... Roll D6s, I'm sure. I'm sure you can find a die that's appropriate to figure out who Mr. Game is. If you don't, we use the color cards. I like the idea of uh, shuffling them back in because then you really, even process of elimination doesn't work. You have no idea where where Mr. Game is going to land next. And like I said, Mr. Game needs to be as self-serving as possible. But also, all other Mr. Games have to uphold the rules of previous Mr. Games. So, you know, you can't cancel out previous Mr. Game decisions just because right. you're Mr. Game now, keeping with the spirit of the game. All right, so awesome. speaking of Cutthroat, this one is vicious. I'm calling this one Mr. Cutthroat, all right? Again, colored cards are put into opaque card sleeves, okay? So you can't okay. see them. Uh, before you begin, everybody starts. The game is played normally, except everybody starts. We roll the die, roll one of the, the four-sided dice to see on what turn Mr. Cutthroat begins. And that's because Mr. Cutthroat Let's say we rolled a three at the beginning of the turn, then you play the game normally. After three turns have gone by, everybody draws one of those colored cards that is representative of another player, and that player is your mark. (gasps) You're now still trying to win the game, but now you have a secondary goal where now I'm after the orange player because if I end my turn on my mark space, uh, all of their power-ups are discarded. 
I get all of the cards in their hand. But the double-edged sword here is they then get to roll one of the four-sided dice to see what number space they respawn on. Oh, so they could win. They could win. Oh, wow, that's awesome. But you if turned you turned it into an assassination game. I yes, can't believe it. <laughs> yes, sir. That's and amazing. Mr. Cutthroat can be played with most of the other house rule games, most of the other variation games that you have in here because it's simply uh, motivational. Right. Uh, mechanic. You just stack it right on top. You yep. could even do like zombie cutthroat and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. we're all in this together, right? And it's like, yeah, sure, <laughs> sure, buddy. Sure we are. So that's clever. So so if I'm the red piece and I get the black card, no one knows it, but I'm going after the black player now. Or you and now, can. You may not want to. You don't have to. You don't have to. That's right. You yeah. don't have to. But, but yes, question. if you uh, do, go ahead. How do you handle um, in the Mr. Cutthroat rules if I am red and I draw red? Nothing happens? Or what do you do? We redraw. So, like, that's not allowed to happen? You just, like, oh, yeah. so, say that it happened and redraw. We'll yeah. redraw. Because you have the same mark the entire game, right? Yep. And then after... Oh, no, no. Once a, once a mark has been... Once a, once someone has been assassinated, essentially, we pull the cards, redraw. Do you, okay. You have new marks. So you could be standing right next to the guy that you thought was safe when you redraw, and then you, you have a new mark. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I want to play that version. Yeah. So <laughs> it's great. The only place where it gets a little hairy is just like what you were talking about if people are drawing their own cards. Yeah. But, you know, it it's worth it. <laughs> it is worth it. And what I've found is that, you know, a couple of minutes at the beginning when you're drawing the cards and trying to figure trying to make sure that nobody has their own cards is well worth the the ridiculous craziness that happens afterwards yeah i really like that i mean the, just the idea of hunting someone across the mr game landscape yeah it also helps with those those weird decisions because there's a lot of times just in mr game in general where you'll be given some like awesome power for one turn like maybe putting a tile down and people are kind of overwhelmed by that i see where they're like oh i don't know where to put this tile like it doesn't really immediately benefit this is a way to say like okay well think about it you're trying to kill orange right you want to maybe put a tile near orange like that i, yeah, I like that a lot gives you I like a secondary target Uh, the last one I That's have you. for you is the one that I'm, I I looked everywhere. I looked on your website. I looked in the rule books. Like, I understand your target audience is a PG-13 thing, but how is there not a Mr. Drinking Game rules? <laughs> because we have Mr. Drinking Game, which is very simple. You play the game normal. If you end your turn on a blank space, you drink. If you end your turn on another player's space, they drink. If you oh. end your turn in purple... Everybody drinks. Oh. And Mr. Game, if Mr. Game is consulted for anything, he gets to make a new drinking rule, which is like the standard, you know, like a uh, thumb master on the table, last one to put their thumb on the table has to drink or the nose goes type of a situation or any other drinking rule involved. Oh. And all of a sudden this becomes, uh, th- it degenerates quickly, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's true. I mean, this Mr. Game definitely lends itself to drinking games, absolutely. Um, you'll be glad to know, even though it's not on the Mr. Game website, there's um, there's like a whole, there's a website full of drinking game rules, drinking game zone. I don't mm-hmm. know if you, I'll send you the link, but there's a Mr. Game like page there nice. that has, I mean, it's it's what I thought would be good for drinking game rules. Obviously, obviously, yeah, you're, you're encouraged to make your own um, because that's what the game's all about. Sure. But yeah, it definitely lends itself to that sort of thing. It's... <laughs> And those are brutal. I mean, every time you land, oh, oh. I don't even think I was that mean. Yeah, it's pretty hefty. Although, uh, one of the drinking game rules that I thought of for the drinking game zone post was um, once per game. This can only happen once per game. If someone else is Mr. Game and you want to be Mr. Game, you can challenge them to do shots. <laughs> and then, wow. If they, if, they, if they, whoever chickens out is just remaining as Mr. Game. So wow. it can only happen once per game because I was worried that, like, I challenge you. We drink, like, five shots or something. We're under the table. And then someone's like, oh, I challenge you now. They, that's not fair. Um, but so I think I called it Mr. Challenge. Right. So that's pretty crazy. I mean, uh, maybe it should be, like, drinks instead of shots. But uh, we go hardcore in Hoboken. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> All right. So um, everything was considered and put there for a reason. Number one. What's the hundred dollar bill for? <laughs> okay, uh, how did that, that make it in there? 
That might have just been a, a silliness. Well, so um, when the when the game was on Kickstarter, there were a bunch of um, high tier like rewards, and they really helped us a lot. I mean, the high tier rewards pushed this pushed this campaign through. And one of them that my brother ended up buying was um, to be the face of the money card. Nice. So actually, that dude on the hundred dollar bill with the goofy face—that's my older brother, Paul. All right. Uh, thank you, Paul, for your generous donation to Kickstarter. And You'll face. notice, yeah, there's there's a few face people in there. So psychokinesis is um, is a person, right? I didn't just draw that. That's actually um, one of the backers, uh, Clyde. Okay. Um, and also, Mr. Buzzkill is uh, is one of our friends, uh, Dan Casillas. So these were people who got in early and and backed at that tier. It's kind of goofy. I mean, you know, as for actual gameplay purposes, does nothing. It's a blank check, but it also doesn't really lend itself to interpretation. So I'm, I I might change that in a future one. I'll, I'll see if Paul minds. Actually, I use it in the Mr. Who v- variant as a way to kind of hijack Mr. Game. If you're not the one, if you happen to have the hundred dollar bill, Mr. Game's going to lean in your direction with his decision. That's also oh, bribing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one one just ridiculous thing that I saw one time when oh, when I was testing the game was like somebody flat out won the game. They just won. And then someone else had Mr, you know, Mr Money and they were like they just played it and they were like, "Hey, can I win?" and they were like, "All right, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I mean, it's just it's just silly. That so that one's pretty silly. The other one that's kind of silly is the one that says uh, this card cannot be found. You know, I mean, right. there's there's no real tactical thing there. The only thing would be it looks like a badge, so you can swap it during a mix up and get a real badge and leave someone with a bunch of garbage, For sure. sort of. But you know, that's not that's not exactly the intent. Um, oh, it works great. I like yeah. it. <laughs> I like it. I mean, I'm glad, I, I'm still glad that I included some of these things, especially like the color cards, right? Like you said you don't really use them as what they are, but you did find a use for them for different game types. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think even if I just wanted to make an expansion to Mr. Game and it was just full of just like junk, like here's a D8 and a bunch of spinners, right. people would find a use for them. And that's what I in really like. this liked. game, you could probably throw just about anything in the box. I, I'm, I'm envisioning like right now, just like grabbing a Halloween spider ring and just throwing it on the board. And then that's a thing. <laughs> You know that that you have to come up with. Yeah, that's actually do? not a bad idea. I think we're gonna. <laughs> I think I'm gonna try some stuff like that. Just like throw things on the board. Like here's the here's the Monopoly car. What happens? And <laughs> and just move on. Oh, so I have a question for you. Sure. Uh, the game comes with four blank cards that yes. have the they have the Mister Game back and they have the uh, just a blank white face. So yes. it fits right into the deck. Now um, I know some people. Who actually didn't design their own cards? They just leave those white cards in, and they use them as like a wild card. I guess I'm not sure. There's rules for them. Mm. What did you guys do with your white cards? Have you found a use for them? Uh, obviously, make your own cards is is a pretty simple thing. Um, when we first got it, before we kind of really knew what we were doing, we just didn't use them. As you drew them, you just drew a different card. Yeah. But did they're dry erasable? The finish on the card dry erases well, so if you have a dry erase marker, you can write your stuff right on the card and erase them back off. That's great. For the next game, so that works out well. And does it does it smudge at all on the back of the card that it's on top of? Because I have to confess, the blank cards was something I really couldn't test. I just thought it was a good idea, but you know, the I'm finish, glad to hear that it dry erases. The finish on the front and the back of the cards are all it's all uniform. It's it comes off pretty well. That's awesome. That's awesome. Another thing I was going to mention is if you were talking about doing uh, a different, um, a, a, like another setup, another uh, release or something with just a deluxe release. Absolutely. More blank tiles. Yeah, they're fun, right? More blank tiles. They they and work very well. Did you write on the blank tiles or did you just yep. like them because they're blank? Yep. That's awesome. I've, what, I've done of... that as well. Dry waste works just fine. That's great. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, I've done that as well. And then now that you mention it, just random stuff in a box might be a brilliant <laughs> idea. Just, It'd be just great, right? Reach in your junk drawer, just pull some stuff out and throw it on there and see what you come up with. I'll just go to thrift stores across yeah. the country. I'll just buy things for pennies and yep. then resell them like a true capitalist. And just throw them in the boxes without <laughs> oh regard. Like nobody gets the same set of random garbage. Oh, I'm writing this down. This is like a card. This is like a Cards Against Humanity thing, with all their crazy promotions, random stuff in a box. I mean, on the subject of expansions, because it's come up a lot, because I do a lot of that stuff on Facebook. I'd love to do, you know, more cards and and more right. stuff like that. I don't have the resources just yet. You know, the game recently released, but 
it's definitely it's on the horizon. It's something I'm thinking about. There's so many cool cards to make. There's so many fun things. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a cards expansion. It could, right. but it could be a tiles expansion, like you mentioned, blank tiles and a bunch of weird stuff. It could be just random stuff in a box, like oh here, you know, whatever you got. What'd you get? Uh, a bunch of alien figures. All right, I, I, I know what you're gonna make now. You know, <laughs> for sure. There's a lot of cool stuff. I considered the little things that you poke the tiles out of. The little like. The circles, the yeah. little discs, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Using those in there, I don't have them in the box now, but uh, that type of thing. Pulling, popping the little circles out of the out of the tiles, using those in there. Y- you can literally use any material in this game. I think you know, creating yeah. little islands that you can, you know, like lily pads through the void spaces, or you know, anything <laughs> like that. Yeah, it truly is up to your imagination. I think that's what a lot of people don't get when they just see it. They see like a roll and move game, like if you're just passing by. Um, but definitely, if you know, if your board game store has a copy, play it. Pick um, it up. I'm telling yeah. you, it's well worth the money. You'd be surprised to see how you can break the bounds. I think the card that um, exemplifies that the best is probably Banish, because it says, um, "What? Uh, take a player, move them anywhere." Yeah. Right. It's very open. Now, a lot of people. We'll see that, and they'll say, I'm going to put you back on start. But, come on. I mean, any, it says anywhere, right? It says anywhere. So it depends on what Mr. Game says, obviously, but you could put someone on top of their soda can, right? You could put them under the table. You right. could drive five blocks down the road and just throw it in the sidewalk. I mean, you could do anything. Um, it, it all depends on what Mr. Game is going to allow and how crazy you want to be. Right. Um, but it's, it's also a good, like, it's kind of a good, I mean, obviously, I can't say there's any medical benefits here, but it's like a great psychological test for people like who are, who are the kind of people that um that that want to stay inside the lines and who wants who's trying to break the game right? right it's fun to watch um sometimes when i'm playing with people i'll just kind of sit back and let them make these decisions because i love to see who thinks of these things um what are some ideas that i see everyone come up with what are some new ones it's great it's great <laughs> beautiful let's talk about your game company yes what so uh, the company, it's approaching its one-year anniversary, which is fun. Uh, I started it November 15th of last year. So the company's called Game Revenant. Weird kind of story there, but uh, you know like you know, like elementals and RPGs? Yeah. Where it'd be like, oh, uh, water elemental, fire elemental, that right. kind of thing. Warcraft 3 had a mob that was like a, it was called a revenant. So that was the better version, right? You could hit, you could, you could attack a fire elemental, but then you could attack a fire revenant. So I was thinking this is like, like the upgrade from game elemental, this is a game revenant, like something, some kind of awesome towering colossus. That's anyway what I hope for the company. But the point is, right. the so it's my company, um, self-publishing Mr. Game, which is not as easy as it sounds. It's not easy at all. Uh, right. And I also make video games. I'm sort of breaking into that space. So mm-hmm. I have a project that's, you know, a little, that's months down the road, but um, I'm working on like a mobile puzzle game with a friend of mine. It's looking really cool, looking really beautiful right now. Let us know. We'll We'll pitch it. Absolutely, yeah. When I think the demo, we're going to try to have the demo out uh, November first, like a ten-level demo of this sort of moody, beautiful iPhone puzzle game. Um, it's great. It's it's called Where Shadows Slumber, and it's uh, it's really shaping up. Oh, but before you move on, uh, yeah, yeah. one last thing for Mister Game. You have an online um, outlet for playing Mister Game. That's right. Which was crazy. I did not expect to get in. Um, so for those of you guys who've uh, We've been on Steam, the Steam platform, which is yeah. kind of like the app store for uh, PC games. There's a game called Tabletop Simulator, which is awesome. It's doing really well. Um, it's been out for like two years. And Tabletop Simulator, just, it, you know, the game itself is um, kind of like a physics sandbox. It has the potential to have every board game on Earth. Because all it is is you're moving pieces around with your mouse, and it's like physics, right? So they have chess. They have checkers. But they also have, you know, um, I think Scythe is on there now. Right. You could do anything. And so I had emailed them about getting into uh, getting Mr. Game on there months ago. And, you know, I didn't hear back for a while. And then all of a sudden they were like, hey, we're, we're ready. We're ready to do it. Send us Mr. Game. <laughs> so, so Mr. Game is a um, DLC for Tabletop Simulator, downloadable content. What that means is that if you have Tabletop Simulator... Um, which is like 20 bucks on Steam, pay an additional five bucks, you get Mr. Game, and it's all set up, ready to go. And the best part is, um, you can just host the game if you have it, and then everyone can play with you. So all of your, you know, seven friends, they don't need the Mr. Game DLC, they just need Tabletop Simulator nice. to play. And it works well. I mean, I wouldn't have put it online if it was like too of much of a program, right? right? So you know how sometimes you'll play a chess game and it'll say like, okay, you pick your knight. Well, first of all, there's a system for picking pieces. And then you pick your knight and it says, oh, knights move this way. 
and it kind of programs it for you. I didn't want that. That's not what Tabletop Simulator is. It's very freeform. You'll feel like you're playing it in real life, and yet it's as boundless as if you were at your living room table. Really? Im- impressive. So, like, you can drop somebody in the void. Yes, you can. Nice. Yeah. Look up some of the, if you guys haven't seen it yet, look up some of the uh, Tabletop Simulator tutorials just for moving pieces. You'll see what I'm talking about. I mean, you can flick things. They have a flick where you click and you drag and then boom. And you nice. <laughs> it's hilarious. There's like a thing where you can even turn off the gravity. Um, so actually what I'm probably going to do, I'd really love to do this, is like a, a small 10-card expansion just for Tabletop Simulator because it's free to do that. Right. Um, and it's all silly things that you could really only do in a video game like turn off the gravity. And now everyone's just floating in space. You know, a, a badge that lets you flick someone. Just fun stuff like that. Although, I could do that in real life. Yeah, you could, <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> that one I could do. All right, sorry to interrupt. I'll, I'll be sure to put links for all that stuff in the show, show sure, notes. Sure. So, Game Revenant, you were saying that it's not uh, easy at all to be an independent game designer. Tell me yeah. about the struggle. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of ups and downs. If you buy Mr. Game, you'll notice that the box says Margrave Games on it, not Game Revenant. I mean, there's a whole story there. Um, really, when, when I kickstarted the game, I hadn't quite realized, and this is just, this is an inexperienced thing, right? This is a rookie mistake. But I hadn't quite realized the decision I was making by going to Kickstarter. And the decision you're making when you go to Kickstarter and you raise money is that you're basically saying to the world, I'm publishing this. It's going to be me. I'm going to get it into stores, I'm going to sell it, I'm going to be the one promoting it, I'm going to put all my money in, it's going to be on me. What I had been hoping for, and this is sort of naive, is some kind of thing where I make the games, and I pay for all of them, and then I have the ability to also go to a publisher and say, like, hey, you want to help me sell these? It doesn't really work that way. The response I've gotten from a lot of people, and again, I'm not going to name company names, is just that while I still have inventory of games to sell, it's on me. Because it doesn't really make sense financially. Like, let's say you're a big publisher... Uh, at Carpe GM, and I say, oh, you know, we're going to sell these games. It doesn't really make sense to split the money because by the time we get down to it, I've barely made my money back from printing. Right. You've barely made your money back from doing the publishing. So I kind of got myself in a situation where, and I don't mind, you know, it's just I have to sell these, these games. But I can't really get a publisher for Mr. Game that's not me until I sell through. That's what they say, sell through inventory. Like, all of it's gone. So that's something I would say if you're – if you're thinking of doing this, just make sure that you really want to have, you know, I've got, I don't know if you can see, uh, I can. boxes boxes of games in my, in my apartment. Make sure that's what you want to do. If there's a part of you that says, gee, I'm a game designer, not a businessman, I'd really like to have someone else take my game design and then I can work on more, try that route first. Try that route first because what I've noticed is that I take up so much time selling and promoting and, and, you know, and going on Facebook and doing these posts and going, going around to stores that I don't have too much time to work on more games or even more game design stuff for Mr. Game, which is kind of a shame. Uh, maybe I just have to budget my time a little better. But that's kind of my, I guess, uh, wisdom from, from inexperience and bad judgment. <laughs> Duly noted. You know, anytime you can get a look inside the industry, I'm always very interested so, you know, basically you have to sell through your old stock because a new distributor doesn't want your they're going to have to change the box a little bit, right? They're going to have to put their labels on there. They're going to have yep. to you know, get stuff, you know, make it their game to distribute. Exactly. Uh, even if it's your design. Uh so that makes that makes sense and, you know, I hadn't really considered that, but that's good uh, that's good information. What right. else? You got any uh, game design horror stories? Um or Game designer horror stories? Game designer horror stories. Well, I don't know if it's a horror story, but I, I just realized the hard way that it is very difficult to design a game in three months. Okay. So I, uh, I joined a, a friend of mine had found a contest online. Um, it was a really cool contest. It was on Medium. Someone had posted this, and they said, no one has ever made a board game about The Power Broker, which is this seminal biography of Robert Moses, who was a builder um, from the 1920s to the 1960s, built most of Manhattan, kind of laid the groundwork for what American cities looked like in the future. Okay, so there's this contest that comes out. It says, hey, you get three months, make a video game or make a board game and submit it, and it's got to be about this book. Sounds awesome. It was awesome. I really enjoyed the process. I love what I created, but oh man, (laughs) 
<laughs> it is it is not easy because think of all this I mean you are condensing you were condensing this process into into three months there's no time right. there's no time you had to just keep moving I you know I, I went from piece of paper game design to you know a bunch of index card things and then and printing stuff out I mean part of the problem with with the designing a board game in such a short amount of time is just playtesting, right? right? When do people want to play games? Friday night, Saturday right. night. Maybe you get them, maybe you don't. If you don't, you missed a week. Right. You only got 12 weeks. <laughs> You're down to 11 weeks now. And, and you can't playtest immediately because you've got to make something first. And the last week of the contest was just, I was pulling all-nighters. I think madness. It was madness. I got maybe four hours of sleep each night to just try to – it was basically just like a nap. It was like, oh, it's 4 a.m. nap time. <laughs> and then I got back up because once, once it was down to the final crunch, I had to do artwork. And you think, right. oh, okay, nice artwork. No, no. There's so many parts to a board game, especially you know what I ended up designing was a lot more complicated than Mr. Game. Very heavy strategy. You know, My tastes have kind of changed since I made Mr. Game, so sure. now I'm sort of into this thing. But, oh, so many pieces, all the markers, the backs of them, the cards, backs of the cards, every different type of card. Some cards are the same, but they have different card backs. The rule book, I had to rewrite the rule book from scratch. I mean, it was just... Three months, huh? It was awful. And I didn't really budget my time well. That must have been it. Because I had a teaching gig. Right. The two weeks, or the, the three weeks prior to the deadline, I had this little teaching gig I was doing at my alma mater, Stevens, um, basically teaching game design, where we had them make board games, had them make video games, too. But that meant that the last week, like I hadn't really done anything for, for the, the prior two weeks. It was, just, it was just madness. So I probably should have budgeted my time a little better. I did submit on time, got it in there. They seemed to like it, so I'll, we'll see if it wins. But uh, nice. I mean, it, Good luck it was, on that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it, was, it, was really, it was really chaotic. That's neat. Uh, let's see here. Did you have anything else that you wanted to share? Um, well, I'll give you the social media links. We'll um, get there. What I've been what I've been trying to do is just build up this Mr. Game community. So the website um, currently allows you to submit cards and rules. So if you okay. submit a card via the website, again, this link will be um, in the post. But if you submit a card, it doesn't necessarily mean it'll get included in an expansion. But what I have vowed to do is every single card that gets submitted, I make it, I draw a picture for it, I actually put it up there, and I put it on Facebook. Good. So there's a whole album on Facebook that I've been working on for the past three months, which is just like all of your ideas. This is just people's ideas. They're not mine. Um, they come in. I draw a picture based on your description. So it's sort of like a made-to-order digital card just to, just to kind of get ideas going. And again, I don't know if I'll even really be able to do an expansion in the future, but I'd love to. And if I do, maybe some of these ideas will get in there and then possibly um, you know, you'd get credit in the rule book for that expansion. Like, oh, I made that card. Right. Also – what I'm, what I'm trying to do is, if you have house rules, and you better have house rules because you're playing Mr. Game. Right. Um, if you have some that you're really proud of, like, you, I mean, you have some awesome ones, Dan. These are great. I have a whole collection, sort of like a blog roll on the Mr. Game website, which is all the rules that people have submitted. They're hilarious. So if, you're, if you've picked up Mr. Game and you think, oh, I don't really have any house rules. What do I do? What have other people done? Check out the website and play some of these games. And if you do have house rules, please share them. I mean, take credit for your good ideas, right? Sure. I mean, before someone else takes your, your idea with the mystery cards and the card backs, put it up there so people know, oh, well, he thought of it first. You know? Good plan. <laughs> so that's all, that's all on the website. So. so where can people find you? Find me or find Mr. Game? What do you, you think? You, Mr. Game, whatever. I have my Twitter, uh, which is at Yoshgun, because I loved Yoshis and James Bond when I was younger, and I've never grown up. Uh, y- Y-O-S-H-G-U-N-N, two N's. It's a mix of um, game, design, uh, game design advice updates and also just ranting about politics so nice. you get to you get to see all of that um but then the actual mr game um like stuff is facebook.com slash who is mr game the website is who is mr game.com twitter is at who is mr game um i would have loved to have mr game for all of those but i think like there's a rapper who has mr game.com uh. he beat me to it so in general social media is who is mr game kind of like a question like who is mr game you know? got it all right, so we've reached uh, the point in the show where I tell everyone to support the hobby, support the industry, and support your local game store. And I always ask my guest if they would happen to have someone, something, some whatever that is not necessarily your own intellectual property or project to support. Do you have anything that you would like to support, Mr. Takula? Yes. Serious, serious shout out 
So there's a uh, a friendly local game store, sure. well, game cafe in Hoboken that just opened. It's called Aether Game Cafe. So if you're in the Hoboken area or even the Manhattan area or the New Jersey area, I don't know where your listeners are based, please, please, please support this store. It is very expensive to um, just to have a brick-and-mortar store yeah. these days, especially the Hoboken area. It's kind of like the city. It's getting really expensive. So again, I'm not involved with the store at all. I just I like having a store there because I'm selfish and I'm a game designer, and it's great to have a place where people hang out. But if we don't support this store, they're not going to stay open. I mean, you know, it's they're char- they charge five bucks at the door for all you can play. Then they have like a cafe sort of. I don't know how they are going to make enough money exactly because it's just so expensive. So please check it out. Go there for like their magic nights or their hardcore game nights or, or something. Go play D&D. If you're in the area, just check it out. It's a great store. They got a nice space there. Um, the owners are very friendly. We, we get along well. So please support them. The Aether Game Cafe, Hoboken. All right. I will put a link in the show notes. Thank you. All right. Well, Frank, this is it. I really appreciate you coming on the show and we're going to have to do it again sometime. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. This has been the Carpe GM Gamecast. Sitting here with Frank DeCola concerning Mr. Game. Buy it. The Carpe GM interview series is produced in affiliation with the Carpe GM Gamecast. All copyrights, feed information, and shortcomings are shared by both shows. Find out more at carpegm.net. <laughs>